Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. We are back from our summer break, and Woo-hoo. it's not technically fall. It's still, well, actually, this morning it's about 75 out, but it'll, we'll probably still have some more days where it's 95. But uh, you, you, so you can pull out your sweaters and stuff, but you're going to be hot. But no, we are so glad to be back. Uh, the school year is about to start. We're ramping up international student ministry, we've got the backpacks going. Uh, backpack ministry backpack buddies for creekside elementary and we also have uh the backpack drive that we did for kids at duke manor refugee and immigrant kids and we're just so grateful to be back uh in the swing of things i hope you guys had a good summer it's still maybe a week or two left but uh just glad to be back and for today we are going to be talking about uh, one of our global city partnerships. We actually have a, a, a small country in West Africa and then a global city. And just for uh, transparency's sake and clarity's sake, the entire podcast will just refer to it as the city and Southeast Asia as the country, mainly because in this country there are churches and there are Christians there, and that's who we're partnering with. But there's also some... Uh, there's, there's some complications, and out of respect for the Christians who live there and the ministries that they're doing uh, and the government and political situation, we're just going to be careful and not say the name directly on this podcast. So we'll call it The City Southeast Asia. So that's my little disclaimer. So glad to have. Uh, who, who's, in, who's in the studios? Uh, Pastor Lawrence here. And Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric. I'm glad that we're, we're maintaining this. This is the studio. This is Waypoint Where, Wherever studio. we are, it's the studio. Yeah. At least yeah. this is better than my office, right? A little more mm. space, a little more sunlight. Yeah, we got nice sunlight and a real plant sitting next to us. <laughs> so if you ever want to come visit Waypoint Studios, you can. The tours, I think, are what? Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Yeah. $7 so, a tour. Yeah, $7 a tour. <laughs> you can write the check to. Uh, to uh, Waypoint Missions. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, so glad to have you guys here. And their wives, uh, uh, Pastor Lawrence's wife, Gina, and uh, er- Pastor Eric's wife, Sarah, also joined them on the trip. And we really wanted to have them on the podcast, but just for timing and logistics sake and young kids, uh, they're representing their wives. Uh, but if you want to talk to Sarah or Gina, too, follow up with them and, and see what, what God taught them as they went on this amazing uh, opportunity to to reinvest in our global city that we haven't been to in a couple years since COVID. All right, so I'm going to jump right into the questions. The first one is the icebreaker. So favorite food you ate on that trip or something fun or something new or just your favorite? Absolutely. Chili crab. Chili crab. What is chili crab? So chili crab is kind of more of a a city south of there is what it's famous for, but it's also in that city as well. And it's basically... Uh, like mud crab um, cooked in this like tomatoey, chili, spicy, sweet sauce. That's just amazing. A little Cajunish, or um, I don't know about Cajunish, but it's, there's like a sweet, spicy sauce that like, comes in. It's okay, just wow. so good, so good. That sounds really good. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> uh, so one of the things that we had on the first day, well, so so a couple of things come to mind um, for our time in the city. One was we, we ate Indian food, and uh, I, f- I forget it. The, uh, when I asked uh, what, what this was, it was like, it's just like chicken. It's like, I think you call it like chicken 56 or something like that, or chicken 65. I don't know. He's like, I don't know why they call it that, but uh, it was really good. It had just, just enough heat to it. It was, it was nice. Uh, then we also, another thing that was really enjoyable was something called roti. Uh, which oh, roti. like Lawrence? Could you? Could you? I don't even know how to describe. It's like roti, a, but it was so good. Like a flatbread, but like 
How do I describe it? You could like you could get more of a savory kind, or you could get more sweet. Yeah. Uh, they had one that was like uh, they had to put on. It covered like three different plates because yeah. it was so big, and it so was like one of my favorite shareable. things is that like you'll go to one of these places to eat, and there's like you get rice, but then they'll dip the roti, and they'll give you like sauce from like six different dishes, all just poured on top of the rice and mm. roti, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> All right, I did not go to this city recently or ever, but I have been to a couple different countries, and probably my favorite food I tried was in West China. There are They make noodles, a lot of noodles. You think of China as rice, but in parts of China, they eat more noodles than rice. But uh, they made these noodles that were stir-fried with onions, and you could have chicken or lamb, and and peppers and it was good spices and a lot of times it was on the street for very cheap and it was just just really really tasty the noodles were handmade literally they make they pull them apart with their hands and chop them up right in front of you just just uh just a really good stir fry noodle on the street probably it was so good because the pan had all the flavor in it yeah, the years it, of yeah years and years of flavor so uh I just we kept going back to that place, even though there were nice restaurants in town. As a student there, I just always went back to this one place, and I would bring other students, and they were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" This so, is making me hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it's going off what you guys said about the uh, food, Eric. You mentioned Indian food, and in the city where there, where you guys were, has natively has people who. Their families came from India, from China, and then from other parts of Southeast Asia. So it already was kind of a global city going back 100 years or so. And now it's fully a global city. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's on the list of global cities that various uh, missions agencies and ministries that we partner with and ch- like church organizations that we partner with. So why, why, why global cities? Why go to global cities? But maybe start with what is a global city? Yeah. The global city is defined as a city that had people from multiple parts of the world that's deemed strategic to reaching multiple parts of the world. So this one in particular is a city that's very diverse. It's a large city, very diverse, has people from um, you know all over that region of Southeast Asia, as well as being a city that is almost a, a gateway city, an opportunity city, a city that's easy for uh, Westerners to come into and do business, to connect, and, and and actually desire for that to happen. And they hire people from all different countries. All different countries, and that's one of the beautiful things about the city that we're talking about is when you go in, you see that the full range of diversity in, in many different instances. I, I was there, and I, I saw people from um, all sorts of different countries, full full spectrum of Asian countries, from the Middle East to to Northeast to the Southeast to even, uh, countries from Africa. It was very interesting to see such a, a mixture, diversity of people there. But it's also deemed as a city that's strategically growing uh, having much more of a sphere of influence, and uh, people are flooding to in large numbers. Hmm. Okay, so maybe New York City would be a, a a city that Americans would have a context for exactly. throughout the the years. Now, in these global cities, there's a lot of people coming with dreams and and hopes and selling everything they had to move there, right? Or hoping it, for a job of any sort that can help help them survive. So, is there that vibe that some people make it and some some people are, are struggling and and the churches we we need churches there Absolutely. to 
to reach all these people that are coming? There's always a hope of, of a city being able to provide a job that you might not be able to make on the farm or if, if you're in a country. For example, there's been a, recently a large influx of refugees, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's from Afghanistan or Syria. There's been a large influx of refugees coming into this country and going into this city. Now, there's a lot. Obviously, they had to leave because of the political turmoil, the life or death situation. And they, a lot of people, this is a country that was actually welcoming them. But some have a chance to make it. But in reality, the, the country itself doesn't have the resources necessarily or the infrastructure in place to really provide much help, aid, or service to this influx of refugees. So it's kind of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. you got to make it exactly. yourself. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, right? It's yeah. just difficult. And so um, there's a be- one, one beautiful element that they're inviting them, but another difficult element is that it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them are living in these areas where they're mass living together and there's mm-hmm. not medical, there's not dental services for them. There's not the care that like, often in America we provide for uh, struggling people. And so what some of the workers that we got to work alongside, that's one of the areas that they serve, is they serve this community the of The Christian people. workers. You're right, about, exactly. Yeah. They serve this group of people who have no access to medical and dental care, to no access to, to services that often some governments would provide. Wow. So it is a global city. It's growing. And why, so why does the church need to be there? If it's a global city, why does the church need to be there? Why, why are all these denominations and mission organizations and non-denominationals, all of us, all these people are saying these cities are very strategic. Is there a biblical model for this? Like, why? why? Like, why invest in this? Well, first of all, I'll just say this because there are people there. They're, Amen. There are lost people there. And not only are there lost people, there's lost people in droves coming there. According to some of the people, the Christian workers that we worked with, they believe in this city alone, evangelical Christians make up 3% of the whole overall population. 3%. And then they also said on top of that, with the number of new refugees and number of new people coming in who are not, majority of them being non-Christian, that number is actually going down. Less than 3%. Mm-hmm. You know, so number one, just straight up, there are people who don't know Jesus, you know? So there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus who are right there. So that's one reason. That's why it's important. Two, another reason why it's important is because what a, it's, it's one of the unique situations. It's happened in multiple times, multiple places elsewhere, but it's one of those unique situations where many nations are gathered together in one place. So it's strategic, you know, it's a strategic location where people are, instead of going out to try to find people, they're all coming into this location. So what a strategic way of, of ministering to many different nations at the same time. And I think, I think part of what you even see when you, when you look at uh, what, what's going on in the New Testament and you look at what Paul is doing, he's, he's starting these churches in, in these kind of cultural economic hubs uh, like so Ephesus, Corinth, Corinth yeah, exactly. uh, where where the, the gospel not only has a has an impact in in the city and in, in that place that, that where he's trying to raise up the church, he's trying to send other people out from from these churches, uh, but those those also become uh, 
easier easier routes to continue to expand and to, to grow the church to see to see God's kingdom advance and, and so I think uh, I think there, there are I, I see parallels to uh, what Paul's doing to uh, I mean what we're calling global cities in our day and just the, I think a, a key word that, that Lawrence has used is tr- strategic and, and um, you think like you think about a place like New York and just the kind of the kind of influence that culturally that permeates from there to other places i mean we uh i would say even here in in durham north carolina we we've been influenced we've been impacted by what's coming out of new york city i think uh there are parallels to what you see uh in in global cities i think that they are uh they're influencing all the cities around the region yeah um and, and so as as people i mean it's it's a it's an interesting picture because you you do have uh, just su- such beautiful diversity there of, of just people from all over who uh, they're, they're not trying to create a homogenous community. They're not trying to create a, a homogenous city, um, but they're, they're really trying to gift the city with, with things that are specifically unique from, from their cultural, their background, their experiences. Um, and they're trying to figure out how, how that works together. And, and I think in, in a context like that, how, what kind of impact could, could the gospel have among people uh, in the city, but then also in the places that, that some of these people are coming from? So we chose the city six years ago. Uh, been about, sent about four or five teams before COVID. You guys went after COVID. Uh, and just for clarification, yeah. Lawrence and I went on different trips. We didn't yeah, go on the same. Correct. We didn't go two on different the, so trips. two different trips yeah. in the past. Uh, like, with a little different times. intentions, Lawrence was to meet, connect with some of our partners, and your trip, Eric, was more to connect with a local, an actual local church there, mm-hmm. and their vision for planning more churches. Yeah. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. And you know, one of the things about Global City, this one in particular, is when the um, when we. This was deemed a global city. One of the strategic elements about it was that a lot of the city is speaks English, and that mm. was actually one of the strategic elements. Like you can get by because there's so many people from different cultures and countries that English was chosen as like a kind of like a common language of business there. Okay, so English is very. I mean, like you can get by in the city with speaking English. So it's in London. It's alongside London. This is one of the few global cities that. Yep. That the global church has really said we're going to invest in where you can immediately go with English and have a, an immediate impact exactly. mm-hmm. in that place. That's that's really cool because a lot of some global cities, for example, Tokyo is considered on the radar of many missions organizations as a global city, right? Uh, a, a city with need, but really to to live there, you would need to learn Japanese, which you need to spend about a year probably two to three years before you'd really be comfortable mm-hmm. connecting there. So so one cool thing about this city is English is you, one, speaking English naturally gives you affinity with, with a lot of people. Right. And I think even, again, coming back to this idea of strategic, I mean, there's there's not really, because, because it's a global city, because there are people from all over, there's not really one language that you can target that is going to give you access to all, all the people there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even, you know, you need lots of different kinds of people who, who, you know, even if you commit to learning another language or two languages, there's still there's still more people to engage with. There's still other – because language is, is a little more complex in that way uh, yeah. in, in a global city. like And very much our heart is to reach the, the local – um, the local people uh-huh. of that of that country. That's our heart. That's that's it's a it's a a difficult trek. 
and a, and a large vision, but our heart is to reach the local people of that country with the gospel. Local people and all these all new over, people. All over, obviously, that, yes. So but, planting churches that, just like we do here, we 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 plant churches that reach and meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to be part of that. Like we're not saying waypoints going to do all of it. When we when we talk about missions and we talk about this, we like to use the term we're a part of what God's right. doing. So we're grateful to get to be a part of this. Okay. That's good. So that goes into the the meat of this interview. What are two or three things that God taught you mm. about personally and then what he's doing in the city and, and and that excites you about yeah, what going on this this amazing trip. Both of you went on whirlwind trips for y'all mm-hmm. back at home. They have kids and families back home, so they couldn't just go for three weeks and soak it all in. They both went for, were on the ground for about five or five days and in the air for about three and a, three days. So <laughs> these were, these were whirlwind Very trips. Good. One thing God's taught me is the faithfulness of the workers and the faithfulness of his call um, and what he's going to do to complete it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I hear, I spoke with and met with so many people who've invested their lives in this country, in this city. And in, in some cases they could feel um, discouraged because they haven't seen massive numbers, mm-hmm. but they're excited, you know. And speaking to this one family in particular, um, just their heart, their passion, their desire to see more workers come—they're not—they're not burnt out. They—they've been there for years. As a matter of fact, this one guy in particular, his parents were missionaries, and he's now with his whole family. And it's just—they just are so faithful to the call. And they just believe in what God's going to do in this place, you know. And so they, they haven't seen hundreds of thousands of people come to the Lord. They haven't seen massive waves of people, but they've seen people come to know Jesus. They've seen God moving in faithful ways. And they've seen the church grow. And uh, they believe it's going to continue to grow. And they're excited about seeing new workers come be a part of that harvest with them. And just to see that beautiful commitment to the long goal of sharing the gospel and seeing the kingdom come. It just warmed my heart. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, and, and I think part of that is, you know, I, I, got, I got a taste of that too, and part of what I, I learned from engaging in, in some of that and just witnessing it was that they're, they're not really interested per se in operating from this like, uh, this like, growth mentality that maybe maybe sometimes you see more so in in the american church that they're they're really they're really yielding the the growth that they're seeing to the lord Mm. and they even think in terms of of timing maybe maybe the lord is positioning them maybe this is a time of positioning and seeing things uh fall into place where where things there there is going to be an overflow from from that and so uh, i think i think trying to walk in step with with what Ultimately, the Lord is is calling them to do, and, and what faithfulness looks like, and, and being committed to the to the mission. Um, I think another thing that uh, that really struck me as uh, really we had time to while Sarah and I were there, we, we had time to not only meet with a, a local congregation there, but we also got to hear um, from the the city to city network guys and. Um, I think just just as as they're thinking strategically about what what are what are the the different barriers culturally for the church to advance, and then what are some of the the different barriers within the church and and, and views that that people like leadership within churches in uh, in the city hold to 
um, that might prevent them from pursuing church planting or seeing the, the benefits of church planting and, and, and seeing, uh, you know, be, being able to hand over leadership to other uh, like-minded, qualified leaders to, to continue to grow the, the church in that way. Um, I, I think one thing that struck me is that God, for, for, us, to, for us to be effective in, in doing church planting, it means we, we have to be willing to hold, hold some things op- with open hands. Um, we have to be willing to lose good people uh, to be sent out to go and, and continue the mission that God has called us to do. Um, and as from a human perspective, that's, that's always been something that's really hard for me because mm-hmm. I want to I grasp onto things. But then realizing, you know, God, God is working in the midst of that, and He He can work in in, in very mighty and powerful ways through uh, continuing to to send out people uh, to to form, to grow, to see uh, more churches form that uh, are really devoted to the gospel mm-hmm. and and seeing that take root in people's lives, and um, and so I think I think that like I don't know. Lawrence, we were talking about this the other day, where you're like, when you're in, when you're in that spot, you, you are almost, you almost have a, you're like freed up to take risks, um, not because it, it feels risky maybe to you, but it's not risky to God right. because He knows, He knows what's going on. He knows what He's like. God doesn't take risks um, because He's He's in control, uh, and, and so I think just stepping into that. It's good. I love that. I love this. It's this idea. Uh, I think it's both the church here, the church there, and a, a lot of places where we don't have the vision. We're not in love with God's church advancing more than we are with our kind of like keeping the things that we want ourselves. Uh-huh. You know, if we were truly in love with man, see God's church advance, it's a lot easier to lose people you love and you care about um, because they're doing something incredible to bless you. You love that more than what you love now. I'll be honest, that's something ridiculously hard for me. Mm. I love the church that we have now and the people that we have now. I need to love more so the idea of God's church advancing, more people knowing Him, you know, His kingdom coming on earth more, so that when I, when people leave our church to go to do that, I love that more, yeah. you know. And that's um, something I think is I hope we catch that vision for us as a church. You know, one of the things that really moved me was a city city guy shared with me one of their overall visions is that their prayer is their dream is this they know this is gonna take a while but their dream is to have one church one church within five minute walk of every major metro station in the city mm-hmm. that was a dream one church within a five minute walk of every major metro stop in the city you know if you go to a church in america you probably see something like 50 churches within every major metro stop, but their, mm-hmm. their dream was one church within every major metro stop in the city, five-minute walk. I love that vision. Mm. I love that goal. And I just, I just, when I hear that, I just like, what can we do, God? What can I do? What can Waypoint Church do? What can we do to be a part of seeing that dream, that vision, that beautiful vision come to fruition? Do they, do they share more of why why in those locations? Well, because every major metro stop is, a, is, is an easy location for somebody to reach. And metro stops are kind of like individual. You had to look at individual metro stops or individual loca- locales mm-hmm. of, of, of centers, if you will. Yeah. So placing a church that's accessible to any person exactly. at any time. So there's a gospel community, a worshiping community scattered throughout the city. 
That's a that's an amazing goal. That's very New Testament. That's mm-hmm. very biblical. Um, so that's and, and honestly, that's what too, we're partnering like, with. That's yeah. what this partnership is about. It's interesting because like you you can walk around the city, like different different parts of the city. And, I mean, you can see uh, like temples and like other yeah. other other religious uh, institutions, facilities where. And you see people just at different times of the day. They just they just walk in. It's really accessible. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you know just uh, so, some of the just looking at the religious climate. A- another thing that um, that really struck me was when we when we were spending some time with some other Christian workers. Uh, we were grabbing grabbing dinner with with their family. Uh, we were just talking about um, like what what it, we were asking what what it's been like to raise kids overseas and um and just thinking about some of those dynamics and and one of the things that uh that this guy told us was um he he just he loves that he's he's had the opportunity to raise his kids in in a different environment where uh i guess maybe you'd end up labeling them a third culture kid um because in some ways america doesn't you know they were born there but it doesn't maybe doesn't feel like home anymore but then they're the the place that they currently live also isn't obviously their their home though in, in some ways it is their home um just kind of having that that uh i don't know just complexity to like even thinking about like where you live and how that influences your identity but but one of the things that he was saying is that um he he loves this idea that that it's it's really easy. He doesn't he doesn't want them to feel too comfortable in one place because he he wants them to to ultimately know and long for heaven and mm-hmm. to know that they they are first and foremost citizens of heaven and he, he doesn't want any any one location any one place any one home to uh, to get them to a place where they're so comfortable that they don't, don't they don't long for heaven. Mm. That's good. <laughs> so I found word. I found that really really wow. compelling and just yeah. just a beautiful. I mean, not, not to say that okay, everybody has to have third culture kids, but like just what a and, and you you can still be here, you can be other places, and and still, but but just trying to cultivate that longing for and know this ultimate sense of this is we we are. I mean, we we've talked about this a lot at Waypoint, and especially in the past, like we are uh, we are strangers here in, in a land that's not our own. That's right. We're wanderers and and. Uh, we we have a home and it's with the Lord and and, and so I think just ha- like wanting to do things to cultivate that that mentality in in, in our lives and and uh, in, in my family's life that I, I found really powerful. That's good. All right, so we mentioned that we're letting the local church and the people on the ground there steer the ship. We're not coming in and saying, right. "Here's what you guys got to do." We're saying, "Hey, you guys have been here for a long time. You've been praying. There's local churches there. There's." agencies and and people praying about evangelism church planning discipleship so what's the future of our partnership are we going to try to take one like pick a metro station are we <laughs> lawrence is a visionary i don't i don't know like what's what's waypoint's future or as far as you know now i mean god we're always reforming we're always trusting god as yeah. he brings in new people and new situations but i think it's uh, multifaceted I think one thing that we're doing is we're, we're agreeing to sponsor, to pray for, and financially support some of the work that's happening over there. So we're going to pray for, financially support, and send people to encourage our people. So what that looks like very near future practically is I believe we'll send a team at least once a year to go to the city to um, encourage our workers to see to cast vision for other people that maybe they'd be interested in going and moving. Um, they continue the shower support through prayer. 
through resources. I think another element is encouraging people to go. So Waypoint family just went this past week to the country, not fully to the city yet because they're exactly they're figuring it out their yeah. long term situation. But and, yeah. and and so like one of the things that they that the some of the works were telling us is what they needed. They need believers who look like Jesus, who flesh it out in the workplaces, in their lives, and in the community. You just need more of that. They're radically outnumbered mm. <laughs> in this country, and they need mm. more. They need more players on the team, okay. and people who are willing to play the game. So we're gonna just provide short-term trips, you know, that are ten days, and then maybe mid-term trips that could be for a summer if you're a college student, uh, yeah. or maybe a year or two after college, or if you mm. want to take some time off, or if you're medical, or these other things. We're gonna, if you're interested, you probably first should go on the short-term trip, pray about it. And then we try to partner with you something that could be more long term. Exactly. Or you could just go on the short term trip and pray or and hear about it and give, pray, exactly. Go, love, care. So it's because it's on Waypoint's heart, it's gonna be on every member's heart because we're gonna continually bring it up, is what I'm hearing. Right. And, and, and that's that's our heartbeat is that you don't have to just go. You don't have to live there for say I'm gonna live for twenty years. You can also go for the short term. You can go for midterm. You can go for long term. You can go for stints. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no. I always look at it this way. We don't know what God's necessarily calling us to do every moment. We just try to be faithful. Whatever he, we do know what He's called us to do. And so, you know, if we're, we're going to let you explore and uh, let you pray, but we do know that He's placed that on our heart uh, as as a church. That that's our global city that we're partnering with and we want to invest in. But, you know, that's not the only place that we're investing in internationally. That's one of the places that we're investing internationally. But we're still radically invested and partnering with the Gambia. Yeah. So for those of you at home who probably are like, so now this, this podcast is about our Southeast Asian partnership. What about our Gambia partnership, which also was put on pause, at least for us sending people. We still partnered with people on the ground. Well, during COVID, but yeah, in in a couple months, in early November, there's a team of six of us from Waypoint going. Uh, I will be on that team, and James Shafto and myself are kind of the part of the team that's going to uh, be thinking about how could people live there long term, maybe with education, medical, short term, long term, future trips. And then we have uh, Dylan Wells, Trace Clevenger, our 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 waypoint coordinators of our gambia partnership and they're both going on this trip and they've been in contact with people on the ground there consistently through uh through covid and then we have ben shaw uh our you'll notice ben he's everywhere at waypoint always helping out but are also doing sound he's going for the first time and then scott scott slater who actually lives in texas but is was a Waypoint member. They lived in the Triangle for a couple years. He's joining us too because he's actually been before. Oh right, so Scott. For, for, it's for, a so random yeah. random tidbit. Uh, one of the families that we interacted with during our time in the city uh, were teaching at an international school, also in the city. And he made a comment when we were having dinner with him. He's like, "Oh, one of the guys that I work with uh, used to work with a principal that went to Waypoint." I was like, I know who you're talking about. Wow. Scott Sl- so Scott, Scott Slater. Slater's got he's got a, a huge footprint. Yeah, so we're still committed to the Gambia. This trip is 
vision and re re-engaging with some of the villages that we already have and the medical partnership we have. So pray for us. It'll be in November. There'll be more announcements and, and talk, talks about how you can pray uh, for our specific trip. But yeah, we are really excited to re-engage that partnership. And it's kind of cool because I, I really, this West Africa is not a place that's been on my heart. I work with international students, but, and I work with a lot of students from West Africa, but I've been trying to get to some parts of East Asia, Tokyo, I've actually bought plane tickets and they've been canceled many, many times, including with COVID. But uh, God opened this door and I've always prayed. I'm like, God, you know, show me what you want. And I, w- I took someone, I took a Uber home from the airport and guess where my Uber driver was from? The Gambia. No. And, it, and it, I'm not kidding. This is like f- a week ago. Really? Yep. Yep. Wow. He lives in Nightdale, has been in America about 10 years, had to flee during some presidential Mm -hmm. corruption stuff his family had to flee and i told him what we're doing i said we're going just to love the country and to see how we can partner with the local church there and medical and uh education help and he's he's like i'm so glad that that people like you are doing that and it was really encouraging for me he's a muslim uh but it was just so incredible. He was like, wow. I mean, he was just floored. And I, I was just trying to be humble. I, w- I wasn't trying to be like, uh, we're better or whatever. I was like, all we're doing is going and seeing. Well, there's a lot of medical and education resources in the triangle. And here's a country that's kind of in turmoil because of some corruption and stuff that's trying to come out of that corruption mm-hmm. and really rebuild their country. And I told him, and he's like, wow, that is amazing. I want to support you in this. And so it was, it was good for me to get that affirmation yeah. and, and know that, yeah, what we're doing at Waypoint is, is part of God's big picture around the globe. I love that. So, and then for those of you who are like, wow, Gambia is a long flight. Southeast Asia is a long flight. What's Waypoint doing that's maybe a little shorter flight, maybe a three-hour? <laughs> there are other opportunities that are shorter flights so well, before we even answer that i will answer that with this question as well we are every day in our local community heavily heavily involved yeah. so if you're hearing this and you're like well i want to do something well guys there's easy ways to start there's right? a starting <laughs> point R- refugee and immigrant ministry and uh international student ministry yes and if you already speak spanish uh we can set you up with pastor steven or amelia we have some people who are doing ministry to that pockets of the community. Joy's ministry, even though it's it's more geared toward recent refugees, she meets people from all over the world too, particularly from South America, just because as you serve kids in a community and tutor and help, you, you just engage the, the community as a whole. So if you're interested in this and you're like, why isn't Waypoint doing this? We are, I agree. <laughs> Now we do, we do maybe London. We actually have a former Waypoint member who's in London and London is another global city. So because of that partnership, we could send people there, which is, it's, it's a little long, but it's a direct flight. Six it's a much flight, shorter flight. Much then. shorter. Yeah, Once you land, bad. you're, you're <laughs> in the city. You don't have to take three or four more connecting flights. Uh, we've also sent teams to Dominican Republic and other places. Uh, we're not a huge church. We have less around 200 members which is a lot bigger than we used to be so some of you might feel like we're 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 too big but uh so we don't want to spread ourselves too thin but we are committed to these local these global people loving and serving the nations here and we do want to pray about so if you know of an opportunity come talk to us 
And maybe that could be an opportunity for more people to be involved. And if you want to be involved and you just don't know how to get started or you don't know if you're, you know, if you're judging yourself, like I'm not good enough yet or whatever. Guys, let me tell you, God uses everybody and he might be calling you now. If you're listening to this podcast, there's something stirring your heart, something that's like, man, I want to do something. Come talk to us, talk to Joy. We want to see you plugged in. We'd love to see you plugged in. God calls all of us to to be in the game, not to sit the bench. Yeah, there's something called Supper Club uh, where you can have three to four international students in your home uh, once a month. Hmm. Uh, There'll be uh, international students from Duke, and you just sign up, offer your home, and it's a a four-time-a-semester commitment, and they're going to come, and it'll, it'll be just a chance to get the nations in your home. Uh, that's something that's very easy. There's no, you don't have to have any special skills or anything. You just have to cook a meal and be. You can be, even buy the meal. Yeah, be hospitable. Uh, if you're, where do you uh, go to find out about the? If like, you need you to find out? out about the international student ministry opportunities, email me, Danny at waypointrdu.com. If you just want to know the broad swath of stuff, you can go to Joy at waypointrdu.com. She uh, she can direct you to me if you need if you're more interested in the international student side. If you're interested in just learning more, Joy can kind of just tell you of the multiple, multiple opportunities. But probably the the easiest things to jump right into right now, I would say, is this thing called Supper Club, mm-hmm. uh, the where you invite, you invite these students to your home, um, or email Joy and she might she can tailor something to like if you can commit once a month. We are also going to uh, have a new Good Neighbor Team training October second, so. We're going to kind of spend the month of September like sharing the vision of what it means to be a good neighbor team, to welcome in new refugee families. Uh, and if there's seven to nine, ten people on the team, the burden is spread out among the team. So that's also another way that you could commit. It's about a once to twice a month commitment uh, where you can have a real impact on a, a family from somewhere in the world. And you probably would be the first Christian to really engage with them and love them. So we, we have these easier opportunities that aren't super high commitment, even if you've never done it before. And then, and then we, but we also have opportunities for those who have, who have been around internationals a lot. So come talk to us and we'll try to find the right fit for you. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And we have a lot of opportunities here at Waypoint. And we're having a missions conference where we can learn more about the international missions, the trips that are upcoming so that you can sign up for. When, when's that happening, Danny? We haven't set the full date yet, but it's going to be it's going to be early 2023. Right. Early spring, late winter, yeah. 2023. And this is going to be an opportunity for you to hear about what God's doing, um, missions through Waypoint Church, but also an opportunity for you to be like, I want to sign up for this. We're going to present to you all the opportunities, whether it's a short term, whether it's a stint, whether it's a long term. We're going to present to you all the opportunities. Come and learn about them and see what God's calling you to. And then we're going to set you up, sign up for something. And if they're interested in... Uh, Southeast Asia specifically, what's the next step with that? Come talk to one of us. Come talk to one of us. Okay. Wow. Any final words on just something that you just want to share, like a story or something that God taught you? I know you guys shared a little bit on Sunday morning after you came back, but just just a final word of encouragement, maybe that you were encouraged by this, by some of our global brothers and sisters that you want to share. For for me, I think one of the... It was my first time for my wife to go to this country with me. I went once before without her. 
And ever since we've been back, my wife won't stop talking about it. You know, uh, just in, in love with um, the vision of it. I think there's something when you have a, when you see a, a, a bigger purpose sometimes. I think when you get into the kind of the routine of life, you know, that it's just, you just, you just kind of do the things that you need to do to survive. You know, and that's great. That's good. But sometimes when you get you get to step back and see a part of the bigger vision, you know, you're like, wow, that's amazing. You're a part of a bigger vision. Part, even what I do now, the little things I do now, there's a bigger purpose behind it. And I think that's what was we were blessed by having. My wife and I were able to just kind of step back during this time. You know, we didn't have our kids with us, so we had to process a little bit more and talk a little bit more. And we got to see, you know, even what we're doing now, God's using that to, to impact even the nations. And so it was really cool to see how um, this gave us a bigger global, eternal vision of what God is doing. Um, yeah, so uh, just a random story. Uh, while, while we were there, so uh, Nate and Diane, we were just talking about how they, they recently, they just left yesterday from the recording of this, this podcast uh, to, to fly to Southeast Asia, and uh, on, on our trip, they, they actually gave us a, a bag to take over just so, so they'd have one less bag, which was kind of funny because we, we left really early on a Tuesday morning. Um, we got there, so we, we left at like 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. We got there, uh, country time was midnight Wednesday, um, and we so we had checked their bag that they, they gave to us, and by the time we had made it through all that travel we got to the the baggage claim and sarah and i were like do you remember what color that bag was like i don't i, I know that there's a green ribbon on it but then you start seeing all these bags with green ribbons and you're like oh no like i don't know <laughs> like I, I don't know what's in this i don't remember what's in this bag i hope it's fine um we eventually found this bag but but uh they wanted us to connect with a friend to give this bag to uh, who's going to keep it for them just a family friend of, of diane's i think and uh, anyway, um, at the end of our trip, one of the one of the families that we were connected with was telling us that there there are about seventeen million uh, people, and that people of, 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 of a particular people group in in the city um, that they're trying to minister to, and of those seventeen million, uh, there are about two hundred known believers. Wow! Um, so just a just a huge. I mean, just very low percentages there uh and then he said and he pointed to me he's like and you guys met one of them the suitcase drop yeah wow and so it's just kind of like it was just surreal to think about like i mean less than one in a million odds of meeting someone like that and um being able to talk with them to hear uh their experience in country um to to i mean on the way gave us a ride back to our hotel asked how we could pray for them um, and just you know to know that we can continue to be praying for them and, and that we uh, we're connected to brothers and sisters from just all different backgrounds all over, all over the world and that we're committed for the same to, to the same cause of, of seeing the gospel go forth and mm. um, so it's just a really really powerful really compelling word to kind of end with our with our trip Wow That's good. and my even though I didn't go on the trip, I just want to encourage you guys with Global City. So I've been doing international student ministry for about 20 years. I've lived in a global city. I've actually lived in a city that city to city, the group that we're partnering with, uh, P 
picked years ago to to have a partnership with. So I've seen the work that they do. And uh, I also have some friends in, in Tokyo. And as we do international student ministry, we're loving people, just sowing seeds of the good news, sowing seeds of hope. And oftentimes, many, many times, the students that we meet here and sow seeds with, they're willing to check out one of these kind of hybrid uh, expatriate uh, churches that have local people and foreign visitors, and even if they're not Christians. And we've actually sent people to visit churches in Tokyo and other places. So here we are in the triangle. People from this country and all over the world are here and they're hearing seeds. If there are these hybrid churches all throughout the world at every metro station, the seeds that we plant here can be finished and, and, and nourished and grown locally in all these places. But if I send them back and after I met with a guy for you know six months, we've had these deep spiritual discussions and he gets back and there's nobody there mm. for him to meet, that's a tragedy. So it's really neat that our international student ministry here will feed and provide opportunities for these churches that city to city and many other organizations are praying about planning in global cities. There was a flight from the cities by the churches years ago. Between the 60s and the 90s, churches left the cities and moved to the burbs. I guess they're afraid of liberalism or I don't know why, various reasons. But praise God for the, the bringing the, the church back to the cities because the cities is where people are and people need to hear the good news. Amen. So we're, we're all in this together. Thanks, guys, for sharing. And I will end with Romans 10. Um, how then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written in Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet who bring the good news, and we get to be part of that. This doesn't mean just the people who actually go. Not all of us, most Waypoint people aren't going to go, but we're all part of bringing the good news to people everywhere. And that's, thanks guys for sharing. This is, and thank you guys for partnering with us, Waypoint Church. We love you guys. Thank you. Yeah, have a great week.